Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, Clarice people, and welcome to the podcast, Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. I am your host, Dr. Sam Hector. <laughs> and I am joined <laughs> by a ginger liver with fava beans oh. and a nice Chianti. How are you, Stacey Hurley? I was really great until I heard that. <laughs> uh, I'm super excited, though. This is a very cool podcast to be doing. You say that every week. I know. I've broken you. I'm so proud. Hannibal talks to Miz and convinces to kill himself. I've convinced you to be excited about being on a podcast. <laughs> yep. That's nothing. The real proud part about this podcast is we've got one of our favorite people in the entire world, Emily Higgins, on it to do it with us. How are you, Emily? Oh, I am so excited. I'm so excited Stacy's here particularly, because when you told me, when you were like, oh, she hadn't seen it, I was like, what? <laughs> no, we're not going to lie. We're going to get straight into this from the start. It took a lot to convince Stacy to watch this film. Fair. Oh. Completely fair. Yeah, because I guess since I missed it when it originally came out, and then I'm not really a horror movie fan, and then I just left it and left it and left it, and I was living my life without watching it, <laughs> you know? And then the... You've got to admit the marketing material in the kind of little clips that you've seen out there. It doesn't look that inviting, you know. <laughs> doesn't look like a jolly romp that you spend your Sunday afternoon just chilling out in. Exactly. Kick your feet up and watch some Silence of the Lammies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I've got to say I'm proud of you for having watched this, Stacey. Anyone that heard our last episode heard us go through Basic Instinct. Stacey wasn't that keen on watching it. I'm starting to wonder if forcing her to watch this one before we watch Basic Instinct <laughs> was maybe the catalyst that caused her to watch Basic Instinct. But, oh, damn it, there goes my deep philosophical debate. It, it was. I got, I got really brave after watching this. <laughs> Wait, this is how he suckered you in a Basic Instinct? Because I loved that episode. I loved your take as someone who was not into it at all. I reckon it might have been. Hey, Basic Instinct's like an early 90s thriller, just like Silence of the Lambs with a strong female protagonist. <laughs> Yeah, same kind of movie. Um, not. But you were really set up to fail with that. You needed like another girl in the mix who was not like me. Like you needed another normal movie watching person. It wasn't mm. dripping with testosterone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was surrounded. <laughs> now, if you haven't seen Silence of the Lambs, but you want to listen to our podcast anyway, Stacey is going to hit you with a plot of the film Silence of the Lambs. What is it, Stacey Hurley? Okay, so Jodie Foster stars as Clarice Starling, a top student at the FBI's training academy. Jack Crawford wants Clarice to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, played by Anthony Hopkins, a brilliant psychiatrist who is also a violent psychopath, serving life behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism. Crawford believes that Lecter may have insight into a case that Starling, as an attractive young woman, may be just the bait to draw him out. It's bizarre how much this reminds me of my early FBI career. What, as a young, attractive woman? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anywho, having a look at the reviews, for this film, IMDb 8.6 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes 96%, Metacritic 85%, possibly the most well-reviewed film we've done on this podcast over all three. Hmm, maybe. But we're going to throw it over to Emily. What would you score this as a score out of 10,000 Screaming Lambs? I am going to give it a solid 9,999 Screaming Lambs. I mean, it's oh, pretty wow. close to... 
a perfect movie and rewatching it. I was surprised. Like I remembered it being good, but I was like, oh, every piece fits together. That's a high score. I don't know if we're going to both be with you there, but we'll see. <laughs> what are you going to score it, Stacey Hurley, who didn't want to watch it? 8,566. Want to know what I'm going to give this? Oh. 15,000 out of 10,000. <laughs> Hands down one of those films that it, it's not in my top five, but it's definitely in my top 10. And for good fucking reason, this film from start to finish is a roller coaster of amazing emotion that just draws you in. And I'm already doing question one. So I'm going to pull back out before I blow my entire question one load. Or we could just ask the question one. So if you haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. We start with 10 questions we all answer. We then move into three personal questions and we throw it out there to you guys sometimes answer question number 20 for us which is a listener question and the one i've been hinting about question number one is a compliment sandwich which is one thing good one thing bad and one thing good about this film why don't you lead us off emily all right well i mean i gave it almost a perfect score i would say the anchor of this film is jodie foster's performance it was no one else could have done the role i can't think of a single other person and you look at the sequel where they got julianne moore to do it and she's Mm. One of our most talented actresses and still could not do it. And even the parts that are ridiculous, like Jodie Foster's accent on her rewatch was tough for me. And the way she talks when she's like, Dr. Lichter, Dr. Lichter. (laughs) It's like... It's so, it haunts me. But she's so good and no, I mean, her performance is so good. She got an Oscar because it broke through like the bias we have against horror. Yeah, totally. And my hate is so dumb. I know it's part of the movie. It's like an important scene, I guess. But I hate it because it looms as a dark specter over the film is Migs. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. It just is like, when it's coming up, I'm like, oh, God, it's about to happen. Oh, no. And I, it just it's, takes me out of it because I'm just like, I just got to get through this. No, I'm with you there. And it's a bonded Clarice and Hannibal. But I, ugh, I just I, they could have taken it out. He could have just said more rude things to her. You know, uh, but my final compliment is that the mystery unfolds itself in such the perfect way where you're not a step ahead of her. Like, oh, you're dumb. Why don't you get this? Like, you're right there with her at each step. So each revelation she feels like you're like, oh, my God, it's tied in. It doesn't feel like it was a totally made up ending. They really walked us through discovering it and watching Jody piece it together without it feeling slow is impressive. That's such a good point. Uh, I, I totally agree yeah, with totally that. Agree. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I think that's a major, major difference between this and Basic Instinct. Basic <laughs> Instinct makes all the characters look like idiots right from the get-go, mm. whereas you're exactly right. This holds the audience in high esteem, and it makes the characters look as intelligent as they should. Agreed. What do you got, Stace? Okay, my good thing was great performance by the two lead. Just boom. Excellent. Nothing to fault. My bad thing is I'm looking at the runtime and that just seems a little bit too long for me. Two hours, 18 minutes. Yeah, but did you feel it? No, I couldn't think of anything to honestly (laughs) cut out. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll just skip to my final good thing. Good idea. I loved the (laughs) cinematography and lighting. It was so crystal clear. It was amazing. It was beautiful to watch, which really surprised me for a movie from the 90s. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm going to give my two good things first and I'm going to give my bad thing last. Okay. So a lot has been said about the two performances of Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. I completely agree. They create this relationship between the two of them that even though they're so diametrically opposed and their views and outlooks on the world, they still foster this relationship between themselves that becomes very sort of tangible in the film. 
uh, the other good thing is is the symbolism in this film like it's peppered throughout the film in different spots and on rewatch you you like when you know what you're looking for when you know you're looking for the moths and butterflies they're so prevalent through the film the use of color as well is really really obvious and then moving on to my bad thing some dumb little fucker watched this when he was 12 years old and had nightmares for three fucking years. Yeah. Even now, when I have blackout lighting in rooms, I sometimes look in a corner and think, there's some dude over there. Oh, oh no. my God. Oh, no. And I need to talk about this. Otherwise, I'm, I'm so going to have sorry. a PTS breakdown, man. That is so sad. Yeah. Anywho, that takes us on to question number two. So what is it there, Stacey Hurley? Okay, so what's something in this film that you noticed that you don't think other people would have immediately noticed? This is kind of obvious, and I think probably other people did notice it, but as we see Clary Starling walking in to the like an insane asylum, right? You know, this lower level floor. As she goes past all the different people in there, they get progressively crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier till you get to Miggs, who's like insane. So by the time you're going to get to Hannibal Lecter, you're thinking, this is going to be next level. He's going to be this goddamn beast that's going to burst through the cage and just come at her. But he's not. He's standing there very prim and proper, you know, sort of at attention. So that was like a little bit of symbolism I was sort of referring to. I didn't notice that progression at all. And now I'm going to have to watch all two hours and however many minutes again. <laughs> Let's go now. It's Let's only, do it. It's in, the, it's in the first, I don't know, 15 minutes. So you'll be right. Um, I'll just pop in. <laughs> what about you, Emily? Yeah. What do you notice? All right. Well, I, of course, noticed all of the cats. There were a lot of cats in this <laughs> <What>? movie. <laughs> Catherine has a cat. That she goes and she says hi to right before she gets snatched, like it's in the window. And she's like, I'm coming in, buddy. And she never goes in. And I spent the rest of the movie thinking, who's feeding that cat? I hope her mom knows she has a cat. And then there's like a cat at the house of the first girl, the girl that he knew that was weighted down. There's a cat there that like rubs up against her. And then Catherine's name has cat in it. <laughs> True. There's nothing more evil than cats either. What about you, Stace? I noticed the butterflies. Like Obviously, I mentioned earlier the marketing material, the poster, the DVD cover has a, has a butterfly slash moth over Clarice's mouth. Oh, the death's head moth. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're like, what? What does that have to do with anything? And um, so I just picked up on the butterfly wallpaper in Buffalo Bill's sewing room. Oh, I didn't see that either. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to touch on it when I was talking about symbolism, but it's blue and yellow. And then when we get to Buffalo's Bill's house, the first time Clarice confronts him, there's sort of the giveaway as the camera pans slowly over to a poster that has a blue and yellow butterfly on it. And then we see the moth land on the balls of yarn, and half of them are blue, half of them are yellow, and there's like a couple of red ones in there as well. And then it pans back to Bill, who's wearing a yellow shirt and blue jeans. What? Yeah. What does that mean? Blue and yellow. Blue and yellow. Evil colors. (laughs) Cool. So what's question number three there, Emily? All right. What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? How normal would I be if I hadn't have watched this when I was 12 years old? (laughs) (laughs) Could have been (laughs) life-changing. Absolutely. First of all, when I was five, I got subjected to Jaws, which I've talked about on a previous podcast. (laughs) Grandma left me with a copy of Jaws to babysit myself with while she went off down the back of the farm. Watch Jaws, didn't swim in an ocean for five years. Probably just still don't want to now. Good yeah. choice, though. And then this one was the same thing. I, You know, large rooms, 
Basements? If you refuse to go in basements, no way you're getting me in a fucking basement. You don't like people who sew things? Hate people that sew things. Hate people that wear (laughs) night vision goggles. Hate people that keep people in wells. It's just, it's endless. (laughs) Do you think he built that well or that that was already there? Ooh. That's a good question. I think it was already there because he puts all of his effort into the sewing and cutting aspect. Like, you can't be good at everything. I'm just imagining the conversation with a contractor. So I've got this basement, and I need to put a well in there. And what no are you going to use it for? I'm going to... No, no reason. It's like, no, no fucking way, dude. No fucking way. I'd like to say my answer next, because it's about the basement. Why did Clarice go down into the basement? Yes. In terms of the character and the story, it makes no sense. She knows he's the murderer. She follows him into a basement she knows he's in there and usually basements have one way in and one way out yeah although you know they sometimes have that back entrance yeah but she doesn't know the floor plan he does (laughs) and she really like she did not do one swivel of the head she pointed one way and stayed pointing that way she did yeah yeah so so i mean it was the i guess the debate aspect of this is why did she go in there but then on the other hand is it was a wonderful scene and it was just it was a short scene so it didn't go on for too long um but it was an amazing movie scene so it's kind Kind of like we had to have a character or slash story flaw in order to have this creepy, amazing scene. Well, yeah, because you're right. Like, it is fascinating. Like, she goes down into the basement and the second she gets down there, the lights go out. So theoretically, she could just back up the stairs. Yeah. Back up to where, you know, like there's windows and then she could go call for help or whatever. Because she knew he knew she was down there because Catherine wouldn't shut her mouth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then she could have gone and radioed for help and, you know, obviously wouldn't have got as thrilling of an end. But I think that's what the earlier scene was when she was doing that FBI training and she was like breaking into that house and the guy said to her, you need to check your corners and stop being so, you know, like just straight to the point. I think that yeah. sort of was echoed in this part where she just went straight down there. She didn't give a fuck about anyone else. She was down there to do her job. She didn't give a shit. I was hoping it would echo in a good choice. Oh, yeah, but... She didn't <laughs> die, so it's okay. What was your debate, Emily? Oh, mine is that uh, the movie definitely makes us like Hannibal. Mm. And he does these horrible things, but they have, like you said, Sam, this great relationship, this mutual respect. And so we wind up respecting him in a way. And it's like, I get so mad at all the people now who love like Kylo Ren or that guy in that (laughs) show, you. And it's... Some of Hannibal's actions are justified in some way, and it's great for the movie, but not great for Earth. Like, I feel bad that I'm like, yeah, man, you li- you do you. I hope you escape and eat that guy. He was a turd. Exactly. <laughs> it is. It's amazing how, like, reprehensible he is and everything he's done, but still we root for him. And there's only one real scene where he, where he starts being really mean to the senator, you know, the mother of the yes! daughters in the well, and he's like, did you breastfeed her? It'll toughen your nipples. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, up until that point, he'd been, you know, a psychopath, sure, but at the same time, he'd been almost relatable and you almost want to root for him. But right. that was like the one that sort of tipped you back into the, oh, no, 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 this guy is a fucking nut job. Because he had had like a method to his madness. Like, there was an order to what he did. Exactly. <laughs> and that moves us on to question number four, which is the first of our Patreon questions, which we have some amazing Patreons. They give us five bucks a month and they get to have their questions in the top ten. And this one comes courtesy the amazing man that is Dave Baker, who also has his own Patreon. Go check it out at patreon.com forward slash your favorite where he posts a ton of awesome awesome content and what he would like to know is 
Which two characters from this film would you most want to have at your house party? Leave us off, Stacey. This is a toughie. If you don't say Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill or Migs and Buffalo Bill, I'm walking out of here. This podcast is over. Okay, well, you better walk out. The only people who I'd want to have at my house party would be Clarice and her friend Ardelia from the FBI. Oh, yes. I would have Buffalo Bill because he has, all the good, he has all the good music, right? You just you don't go on his van with it. You're fine. He's at your party. He can't cut you up in front of everyone, but he has like a lot of CDs or records or something. And maybe he'd bring his dog. And honestly, you ignore everything else. He is hot. Uh, and then also, unfortunately, I don't think my other guest would want to come but Catherine like she's cool she gets a lot she loves her cat and she was so nice helping Buffalo Bill even though she shouldn't have she's like a very nice lady true this podcast has taken a turn this is going to be surprising Woo, good on you Emily interesting party <laughs> that would be insane <laughs> I am going to go with Adelia and no one else <laughs> Clarice oh. intimidates the hell out of me she's a bit too by the book and the other thing too is wherever she goes guys like flock to her to basically give her the worst pickup lines possible and you know and when she goes jogging yes. past them they just all suddenly stop and turn them what look at her and like oh my god look at her you know if you take a chick like that to a party you know like hey bro how you been <laughs> look at that girl over there bro oh holy fuck. <laughs> fuck she's mean bro i'm gonna go uh, see if she likes burgers bro like, yeah. <laughs> what's a cheeseburger. No. A horrifying party all round. <laughs> Anywho, um, that moves us on to question number five. Question number five. What unusual top ten list would you have this movie on, Emily? Top ten 90s lady detectives tracking serial killers, along with Holly Hunter in Copycat and Angelina Jolie in The Bone Collector. Ooh. Love that genre. And I, I, I did Copycat on my podcast, and I could have compared it to Silence of the Lambs, but I couldn't say Silence of the Lambs wasn't the better film. So. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. <laughs> My mental sanity thanks you. I have some lines. <laughs> What's your top 10 list, Sam? Top 10 movies that have an animal name in the title. Oh, <laughs> what are some others? Um, Lion King. Lion yeah, maybe. 12 Monkeys. 12, 12 Monkeys, yeah. that's a good one. Straw Dogs, that's another good film. That'd be a solid list. Ant-Man, Spider-Man. Oh, no. Yes. Woohoo! Fell my way back. <laughs> My top 10 list would be top 10 horror films I never expected to like. <laughs> Ooh, what else you, What else is on that? I like that. Nothing. <laughs> no, I, you made me watch Get Out and I liked that. Hereditary. Oh, there we go. Hereditary. I loved Hereditary. Basically, I don't expect to like any horror film. So maybe my list should just be horror films I like. <laughs> All right. Question six. What character has probably gone the longest without showering? Oh, it's got to be Migs. Yeah. Even in prison, they'd offer you a shower, even to the worst criminals. I thought about him, but they, I'm pretty sure they force you to have a shower. Like, they just hose well, him I, down. I wrote down, besides Migs, who they probably hose <laughs> down, comma. Good work, Gil. Good work. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go with... a hose. Uh, what's her name that's been abducted? Catherine, the girl in the well. Oh, oh she did Catherine. look grimy down there. Yeah. Oh. I'm suspecting she's probably gone the longest. I mean, I think it's Jody. 
Really? Only because, okay, number one, in the be- two things. In the beginning, she's wearing that sweater that she had fully sweat through. And I was really <laughs> upset by that because, like, wear a shirt. Why are you wearing a sweater? <laughs> but when she comes out of the jail after the MIGS incident, she should have run to the bathroom sink and then run home and showered forever. But she came out really slowly and, like, chill with just one <laughs> tear. And I was like, get, get to water. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Even like next level from that, go to your nearest nuclear plant, fumigate yourself with like a decontamination shower. Do something. Yes. We forgot to mention that that question actually comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Hingis. Oh, oh yeah, what? that's me asking about showers. I love that question, by the way, Emily. That's a fucking amazing one. Anywho, that moves us on to another Patreon question, which comes courtesy of Julio over at the Contrarians podcast. Another great, great podcast where they basically rage against the Rotten Tomato machine. So, for instance, for this film, they'd spend good good chunk, good hour or so, arguing why this film is absolutely rubbish. If you can stomach that, go have a listen. They put together some fairly awesome arguments. Highly recommend it. But what Julio would like to know is what is our most controversial opinion about this film? I think that Clarice should have shot Buffalo Bill in the kitchen as soon as she twigged that this is the guy before going downstairs into the basement which we've already discussed I mean we would have missed that amazing scene but I don't know two things in most other movies if it was a guy detective he would would have shot first thought second yeah She, but she's just too smart, you know. She, she was thinking about it. She's like, I can't just shoot this guy. I need to do something else. And then she just shoots him in the next scene anyway. So I kind of think I'm torn. I just think she should have just shot him in the leg or something, just so he couldn't run away. Well, it's sort of funny because he's not posing a threat. So if she'd shot him dead right there. How would she have sold it to her other people? Like she would have to have planted his gun in his hand or made it look like, you know, he would he was actually doing something threatening. Mm, yeah, that, yeah, that's I guess she had no reason to. That's why this opinion is controversial. Right, because only we could see that stove gun. Exactly. It seemed like a bad yeah. spot for it. Yeah, who, who the oh, fuck cooks boy. a gun? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, I feel bad about saying this and I wavered on it because I think this movie has so many interesting threads, but the sexism angle got to be a little much because mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed some of the ways that they addressed it. The scene where Jody says to Crawford, like, look, everybody takes their cues from you of how you treat me. It matters was really touching. And then Hannibal kind of used it against her in an interesting way when he's like, oh, all these guys are thinking about you. But then to have every single guy she came in contact with be weird to her like got a little old that every man aggressively did not respect her was uh, it was a little much yeah no i get what you're saying get what you're saying yeah absolutely i agree it did feel a bit extreme in parts eh? like i was mentioning before it was just sort of like okay we get it you know Oh, maybe my school's dropping. Nah, no, that's not. Yeah, it makes it makes <laughs> it makes the male-female relationships look so one-dimensional across the board, except for the relationship between Clarice and um, Hannibal. Mm. So it kind of, in a way, making all of those other male-female relationships look really one-dimensional makes the relationship between Hannibal and Clarice even stronger and more curious and more layered. Oh, that's interesting. Is that how they got us to root for him? Because we're like, finally, someone that respects her as an equal. Yeah, and who yeah. have a conversation with her and try and find out about her. <laughs> even if right, because if you're Jody, who else are you going to talk to? You're like, finally, this guy doesn't want to have sex with me. What a relief. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You might have cracked it. In a roundabout way, that kind of relates to my one, which is I thought Hannibal deserved to be free. 
Well, I thought he deserved- And he is free, so yeah, no, yay. He is. Yeah, you know, like, I feel like, like, he's a horrible, horrible man. I'm not excusing his crimes or whatever, but the FBI are, like, idiots in this. They send a young yeah. trainee agent to interview him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and then no- they lie. They lie the whole time. You know, they're fucking abusing this guy. They take away his paintings, all that other shit. Like, you torment someone like this. He definitely deserved to be able to eat Chilton. Like, he <laughs> yeah. deserved that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I'd just like to point out this podcast does not condone the activities of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. And that moves us on to question number eight there, Stacey. What quote from this film would you definitely not want to hear after having sex? There were so many good ones for this. <laughs> oh, I know. That were all so upsetting. But I did land on the one that would have upset me the most, which is you look like a rube, a well scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. <laughs> that would have hurt my feelings the most. <laughs> that, you know, that is so funny. That is my quote as well. <laughs> See, it, 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 because out of all the horrible things that are said like that would be so if something was so horrible you'd be like oh that was so weird but that's just real enough to be like oh yeah and, and I, I would in fact include the preceding line which where he says you know what you look like to me with your good bag and cheap shoes <gasps> cheap shoes how, yeah. how dare he <laughs> it is because the other side of that was that I wrote if you let me go, I won't press charges, I promise. Which is like the other upsetting angle yeah. rather than the real, like, you've hurt my feelings angle. <laughs> <laughs> I did toy with that idea. Also toyed with the, it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> right? <laughs> but that almost would, like, make sense. It, yeah, it does. Yeah. The other one I had was, don't bother with the trace, I won't be on long enough. <laughs> But that's more of a what you don't want to hear before sex. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What character would fart in a public place and just walk off is question nine. Buffalo Bill. Yeah, he he wouldn't care. He's got no social etiquette whatsoever. Well, I'm just hating on Mix. (laughs) (laughs) I went with Chilton because he's the true villain. And you know, you know, he was wandering down into the cells and just crop dusting Hannibal. (laughs) (laughs) He like put on that gospel TV. He took away his paintings and he was just farting it up. (laughs) (laughs) He gave him that glass cage, too, that only has tiny little ear holes, not like a normal iron bar. So that when he farts through one of those ear holes, the entirety of the room just sort of lingers like a brown fog. Oh, no. He is the real villain. That's what the movie was teaching us. He absolutely is. That's where my controversial opinion came from. Yeah. That's funny. I think that's the right answer. (laughs) Totally is. (laughs) And that takes us down to question 10, which is the last of our ones that we all answer, which is a new question that we added. And I thought this was the perfect film to add this question to what scene would have benefited from bursting into a musical? Similar to like uh, 500 Days of Summer, if you've seen that, where he just (laughs) bursts into musical for no reason. Or, you know, the start of La La Land. Or all of La La Land. All of that stupid shit film. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) Okay, so for me, it's definitely got to be the big finale, final scene where we see Hannibal Lecter. He's out. He's on the telephone talking to Clarice. And he's watching Chilton get off a plane. He's in some tropical location by the looks. I can just see that where he's Lecter, um, Hannibal Lecter is following Dr. Chilton down the street and there's lots of public and bystanders and kids running around. I can see them bursting into song and dance. So like Brazilian carnivals? Yeah, carnival. 
at the, at the gonna have a friend for dinner. Gonna have a friend for dinner. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love it. Brilliant, Stacey. I chose when Hannibal popped up in the ambulance and slid the face off his face because maybe it would have added some levity to the to the scene. You know, like surprise, I gotcha. <laughs> or similar to you guys, Hannibal licked a scene. And it's one of those scenes where they, you know, her, him and Clarice are like cha- talking to each other, maybe towards the end. And it's like, hello, Clarice, I ate his liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. Hello, Clarice, tell me about your worst childhood memory. Hello, Clarice, have the lamb stop screaming. <laughs> and then obviously Jody would just interject like, Dr. Lecter, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> Answer the questions, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> I really think you need to write this musical. Yes. Holy shit, Silence of the Lambs a musical. I mean, it would, people would love it. I'd have to call it Non-Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Singing, of, Singing the of the Lambs. Singing of the Lambs. Oh, I'm writing it today. And then there's a little picture of a lamb with like a little cane and top hat, <laughs> tap shoes. I guarantee that somewhere out there right now, someone's listening to this and just... For me, <laughs> screaming <laughs> in a public place about what the fuck are these people talking about? <laughs> Which kind of leads me on to my first question: Do you guys think, in different circumstances, Starling and Lecter would have totally got it on? Yes, I do. Ooh, I think in in different circumstances, yeah, sure. I could see him as like the well-respected professor slash psychiatrist kind of role that the older debonair gentleman, debonair gentleman, <laughs> particularly when he's got his long hair, gentleman caller hat on, and she's just this young preppy, really um, out there to impress and to climb her way up the ladder, um, so to speak. I think, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I didn't not want them to. Ooh. (laughs) Like, I watch this and I'm like, ooh, they should get together. And that's the movie's fault. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's the movie's fault. Yeah, yeah. They have chemistry. They have tension. Especially in a movie that repeatedly points out, like, her relationships with other men are, like, hollow and meaningless. But look at how this man understands her. (laughs) Scary. Cool, that moves you on to question number two. I've mentioned the line before, but Hannibal talks about eating liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. What is the weirdest food combination that you guys have eaten that tasted really delicious? Mine isn't that weird. I don't continue to eat weird combinations. But (laughs) the first time I ever tried this was when I was a young kid and I was trying to think of something to have on a toasted sandwich. And my mum said, why don't you have cheese and jam? Raspberry jam. And I was like, what? That's nuts, mum. But anyway, I tried it and it was delicious. And as I've gone through my adult life, I've realised that actually sweet kind of jams and chutneys and pastes go well with cheese. You know, like if you're thinking a quince paste with a nice blue cheese, that is actually a really good, well-known combination <laughs> in the culinary world. You need your own cooking show, mate. But um, but the first time where it's just cheddar and raspberry jam, you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I mean, my white trashiest is 
Easy Mac with goldfish crackers crumbled up on top. Uh, but <laughs> that sounds the, delicious. The, right. Like, that's not like crazy. Like, that's cheese and cheese. But the one that I've had horrified responses to, I've done two versions of this white bread with peanut butter and peeps. Do you guys have peeps? Mm. Marshmallow peeps? Oh, I know what you're talking about. No. It's like marshmallows covered in sugar shaped like little bunnies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And I've also taken bread and put peanut butter on and then put on a kudos bar, which is like a kid's granola bar that is basically just a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's a sandwich. It's now a filling meal. This is fine. It's <laughs> yeah, totally in line with my diet. This is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm just impressed yeah. that you bothered to put those things in a sandwich. Oh, <laughs> I thought that it made it. I've also put a handful of cereal on a peanut butter sandwich (laughs) where I've just been like, now I've made a meal for myself. Yeah. Shout out Brad Yelovich who listened to this podcast and often when we lived together used to watch me eat popcorn and steak as a nutritious meal. (laughs) I mean, I'm not opposed to that at all. Well, corn is a vegetable, right? So like meat and veggies. True. (laughs) <laughs> Have you guys gotten involved with the people like to put Sour Patch Kids in their popcorn? No. What? Oh, that's dramatic. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing that my a friend of mine does, and then she got everybody else into it, and I'm like, I won't taste it. I don't approve. So you just literally put the um, Sour Patch Kids in the popcorn and you grab a handful and you have like sweet and sour and salty. Especially if it's like a hot bucket of popcorn, apparently. You just pour them on, you shake it up. But I refuse. But I, everyone who has tried it has been converted and said, okay, you were right. And I still will not do it. Weird things happen at the movies. I mean, I've, se- I've seen um, some friends introduce me to, you know, getting an ice cream and popcorn and then just um, covering the t- the outside of your ice cream and popcorn. Oh, oh fuck off. I've That's not, delicious, man. I've never seen that before. <laughs> That's interesting. I've never I've seen a French fry and a frosty, yes. but I've never seen oh, popcorn. Oh yes, oh yeah, French fries and frosties and popcorn and ice cream are delicious. You've watched me do this all the time. How happy do I look when I'm eating this? <laughs> oh, it's hard to tell. It's dark in the cinema. I try not to look at you when you got food all over your you face. You can hear my murmurs. <laughs> I wonder what other weird things are happening if with food at the cinema. There must be. Anyway. They have so many things now. Like they have a hot dog that you can at the AMC's here and you can get whatever on it. They're like, put some Flamin' Cheetos, put this, put that. And I was like, oh, you're introducing too many smells. Yeah. God, America and junk food, man. Not yeah. to mention um, synthetic flavors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we have a special Spider-Man popcorn right now that's red and blue. Oh, what, what? the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and it's super sticky. I tried a couple kernels, but I wasn't going to pay $10 for a full thing. Jesus. It's like caramel corn, but sweeter, and each kernel is fully dyed to where <gasps> people are like, yeah, your mouth is blue and red when you're done. Oh, <laughs> fuck no. this. No, no, we no. Will Tag anything. Spider-Man, make some red and blue popcorn. Perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sold. <laughs> This is giving everyone bowel cancer. Who cares? They love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right, Sam. What's your next question? I could talk about food all day. I know you could. (laughs) My final question is, okay, ladies, who do you think would be the worst one to go on a date with? Buffalo Bill or Hannibal Lecter? It's definitely Buffalo Bill. (laughs) It's true. At least you can have a conversation with Hannibal, right? I don't know if it's a conversation. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) No. You could. (laughs) 
not only would you have a nice conversation, he would like pick a nice wine. Yeah. You know, I feel like he'd pick up the tab. Yes. <laughs> Whereas Buffalo Bill was going to make you some. Uh, well, you saw his oven at his house, right? He's not going to cook you a romantic meal with candles and stuff. It's going to be some grimy thing stuck to his frying pan. Mm, it's true. <laughs> he is, though, he is, if you're just talking about just walking into the date, he is hotter. Just walking yeah. in. Yeah, he's a bit younger and, yeah. When he's all tucked in, I mean, that's a nice body he's got. <laughs> <laughs> I am not touching that with a t- <laughs> 10 yeah, foot ball. this is dangerous territory. Figuratively and literally. <laughs> Moving on down to Emily's question. Okay, if you were a serial killer, what would be your calling card? How would people know it was you? They'd probably find me napping in a bed somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Like Goldilocks or something? (laughs) Pretty much. I would be the Goldilocks killer where a physical exertion of it would have been enough for me to go, I'll just go take a quick nap. (laughs) I'm similar to Sam. I think the physical exertion of killing someone, I'm not going to be able to physically like take their body away and dispose of it which is what i would like to do so i would just make sure that the body was really neatly laid out clothes straightened (laughs) up you know just pay some respect to the dead covered in roses like mina (laughs) safari and american beauty (laughs) the next question is they have to ask for hannibal's help to solve this murder because he's an expert what would you be called in as an expert consultant on i'll mention it (laughs) <laughs> eating steak we need someone to come in here and show us how to eat beef done i'll be there, I'll be there. yeah who, who 72 ounces it? yeah no problem i'll do that for breakfast who is this group who's gonna hire you <laughs> i'm picturing a giant steak like blocking a doorway and that you have to eat your way in to get the hospital oh, we're recording this at lunchtime emily come on man you can't be saying shit like that to me <laughs> holy fuck like the top and bottom, like the top, bottom would be touching the floor, so you'd really got to angle it appropriately. Oh, I don't care. Your your chops. Nothing beats floor steak. I don't give a shit. I have seen, <laughs> I have seen Sam some of the sizes of the steaks he's eaten that are rather large. Could you leave some of the cow for somebody else? <laughs> have you done one of those challenges? They probably don't have them there. They have them here because we're disgusting. But I went to a restaurant in Texas on a road trip that has a eat this seventy two ounce steak or whatever within. 30 minutes and it's free and your yeah. picture goes up on the wall and you have to sign waivers like if I die it's not on you yeah. have you done a contest yeah 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 I'm not on that wall I'm on the wall beside it which is these people are banned from coming into the store anymore <laughs> what yeah. why what you ate too many yeah. steaks yeah that was it <laughs> they banned me for he's like he's been coming here five nights in a row eating free every steaks night. every fucking night we've got him he's done he's out of here we banned him you should be not just banned, but on a special wall for real successes. <laughs> on that note, let's change topics. My um, expertise would be in how to train a man-child to do domestic chores. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, that would be a lucrative career. Exactly. Who doesn't if want to If you were know? a consultant, yeah. you could do Skype sessions with mm-hmm. people, charge per hour, yep. and then just make Sam walk by in the background and point at him like Vanna White, like, look at what I've done. It's true. Yes, he's vacuuming in the background. <laughs> I knew I was being trained. I knew it. I always found it weird how you're leaving like mini steaks inside the dishwasher or on the vacuum cleaner and stuff like that. <laughs> Little bites like dog yeah, treats. I've worked it out now. It makes so much sense. <laughs> That's a genius plan. <laughs> Good work, yeah. And my final question, what would be your best excuse to not help a disabled man with his armchair? I'll this just is... fake a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> 
I do worry I would feel guilty and do it. So I need your excuses in case I come across this. Well, I've got a great excuse that I'm using all the time. I'm nine months pregnant. I can't lift oh, an armchair. <laughs> that's good. You're totally safe from kidnappings for a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to tell them I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Why not? That moves us over to Stacey for her question. So what do you got there, Stace? Okay, so as we've talked about before, I had not watched this movie, but I knew that the name Clarice just just had some creepy connotations due to the way that Anthony Hopkins delivered um, his lines. So that, that name has kind of been ruined, you know. <laughs> Have you ever met a Clarice? It hasn't taken off in popularity of baby naming. <laughs> um, well, we're so- having a baby soon. Why don't we name ours Clarice? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's totally unfair, unfairly maligned because Clarice is an amazing, she's the hero of this movie. Right. So, well, and I'm curious, there are so many Khaleesi's and like Daenerys's. <laughs> oh, bad choice. But yeah. But, but yes. people name their babies mm. that. Like there should be Clarice's. It's true. Yeah, there should be. Can you guys tell me another name that, or a word that's been ruined by a movie for you? Martha. Why'd you say that name? Martha. It's the end of Batman vs. Superman. It's when Batman and Superman stop fighting <laughs> because they've both realized that they both have a mum named Martha. Fully don't remember that. I blocked that. Oh my, are you serious? That is the reason why they stop fighting. I'm so upset by this. It's bizarre. It's such a fucking stupid Maybe ending. Maybe we find out that it is actually the same mum. Like, it's the same person. <laughs> And she pretended to die at the opera with Batman so that she could go raise Superman on a yeah, farm. Yeah, Batman's dad was her side bitch. And she... <laughs> she had him off. Yeah, had him off. She faked her death. Yeah, it was getting too much to juggle. I didn't have a specific name, but I had a word, which is the word fragile. Because of a Christmas story, every time my dad sees that word, he's like, fragile. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I think of it every time because that's what they say in that story. Stupid movie about the leg lamp. The box is for GLA. <laughs> I say Ovaltine. The, the word Ovaltine, which it's not like I'm talking about Ovaltine on the regular. And the name Ralphie. Like anything in a Christmas story haunts me. True. Ooh. That movie is psychological torture. They pay, play it for 24 hours straight here <gasps> on Christmas Day. <laughs> On TBS, and my dad would turn it on and leave it on. And I was like, why? (laughs) (sighs) Oh, that is unfair. Yeah, that's bullshit. You know, fragile as a word. Come on, poor fragile. (laughs) Right? And now people still make that joke. People still, in the year 2000, whatever, are like, fragile. (laughs) It's like very much a dad joke, and I don't like it. Good one. I like that. Yeah. Okay. My next question is, Silence of the Lambs refers to one metaphor. It is quite important in the movie, um, relating to Clarice's horror of hearing screaming lambs. But the movie's about so much more than that. So could can you rename this movie? I had a lot of, of things, and I narrowed it down to two. And my first one is Covet. Ooh. And my second one is The Rest of Me. Ooh. Well, Emily, you had two really great answers, and my one is completely shit. <laughs> this is the first thing I could think of, is these two, you know, meet in a prison pen. They, be, you know, like have a bit of a chat, all that sort of shit, becomes friends of each other. So I'm going to call it The Pen Pals. <laughs> the, the romantic comedy slash musical, The Pen Pals. <laughs> 
that's what you're going to call your musical when you don't want to be sued by Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Sure, yes. The pen pals. Good answers, guys. Definitely well change Migs to Stacey Hurley. That's a good name. No. <laughs> okay. So my final question is a controversial one because it's going to be hard to pick. Who gave the better performance, Anthony Hopkins or Jodie Foster? A lot of Anthony Hopkins' performance relies on Jodie Foster being that good. And so I'm going to give it to Jodie. Jodie carries the entirety of the movie. And when you're a villain, I feel like playing a villain is a lot easier to play than a hero. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a fucking amazing performance. But still, I feel like Jodie Foster did a little bit more heavy lifting. And so I'm going to give it to her. Fully agree. I think a lot of people could have played the Hannibal role and no one else could have played Jodie. Like, as it was proved Mm. when Julianne did it, phenomenal actress couldn't do it. I mean, I can't think of another role that has that balance of like strength, but also vulnerability. It's so perfect because you totally buy her as this like hotshot FBI agent without it being over the top. She's just so good. And Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I feel like I could have done that. (laughs) We've already done controversial opinion. (laughs) You go in, you don't blink and you're like. I like eating people. (laughs) I think we still would have got the Oscar if I did exactly that. (laughs) That takes us down to the end of the listener question, which is a question that we threw out there to you guys to answer for us. Before we get to your answers, we're going to give you our own ones. Now, this this film shattered the glass ceiling, basically. Horror films never were really recognized that much in Oscar contention for Oscar awards or anything. And this is one of only three films in existence to have won the big five, which is lead actor, lead actress, original screenplay, direction and best picture. Phenomenal. Amazing amount of Oscar love there, obviously. I want to know from you guys, what other horror film do you guys think should have deserved a bit of Oscar love? Well, this movie did win an Oscar, but it should have just won more, and that's Get Out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 100% agreed. It should have gotten both performances. It should have gotten, I mean, everyone in that movie should have gotten it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was like the only good Oscar movie that year. I don't remember what else happened, but I remember being like, it should be movie. It should be Jordan Jordan Peele. It should be, uh, what's his face? It should be Alison Williams. Yeah, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, it should have been him. Yeah, totally. What do you got, Emily? Well, that definitely get out 100%, but going a little more old school, the original Halloween just set like such a precedent for horror yes oh that's such a good point i guess it was hard to award an actor because you have like one guy in a mask and then you have jodie foster just kind of <laughs> jamie, jamie lee curtis, curtis. Yeah. oh my god <laughs> jamie lee curtis similar ladies similar vibes <laughs> i would never say her that, that that performance was anything like clarice starling but it just that movie gave us so much other stuff it's true. It had an amazing score. John Carpenter, the director, actually does the oh. score. He's got his own band that he does the yes. score for a lot of his own films. And the score is so haunting and memorable. And that, for me, when I wrote this question, was another thing. Like, I thought about the score for Psycho, the score for Jaws. Some of these horror films that have these scores is so iconic. And the second you hear that music, you're like, oh, I know what that is. Whereas, you know, you could play me the Lord of the Rings theme or one of those other films that won it. <laughs> I wouldn't have a fucking clue. Oh, you would not have a clue. Yeah, and I think horror is a genre where the score is a major character almost. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It creates the atmosphere that these movies are playing in. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The other ones too, like The Exorcist is a Best Picture winner. And The Shining, Jack Nicholson, brilliant. He absolutely should have won Best Actor for that role. And so, as I mentioned, we threw it out there to you guys to answer this question for us and see what you guys came up with. We'll just run through a couple of answers and uh, offer our opinions, and then we'll all sort of agree on who we reckon gave the best answer. First up, Paul from the Countdown Podcast was on our episode last week. said, The Thing, The Thing, The Thing, and wait for it, The Thing. (laughs) 
I agree. It's a great movie. I agree that it was like so innovative and and deserved recognition. Like I'm glad we're all still talking about it. I just don't need to watch it. Moves us over to IMDb Journey Podcast, who also brought up The Shining. Should have got at least a nomination score. Nicholson, Kubrick, something. I agree with you there. Yep. Uh, we watched the thing. Said I could go another route, but I need to honor what Emily Higgins does on the Tasters podcast and say that Troll Two <laughs> is the superior horror film. I'm sure it's what she would say. <laughs> Troll Two. <laughs> oh, Stacy, have you not seen oh, Troll Two? I have not seen Troll Your Two. Your afternoon is going to be <laughs> oh, amazing, Stacy. No. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Renegade also mentioned The Shining. His comment was, because The Shining was already mentioned, I'll go over the ring. The American version scared the daylights out of me when Samara crawled out of the TV. There was an intense feeling of dread throughout the entirety of the film. Also believe this version is better than Ringu, the original Japanese film. That's a controversial opinion there, Renegade, but I agree with you, man. The ring gave me nightmares as well. Oh, I've heard about this movie and have not watched it as a result. You watch this movie, the <laughs> phone rings, you listen to it, and they tell you you're going to die in a week. Exactly. And no thanks. That's the kind of horror that I can't like. I can watch a Science of the Lambs. I can watch a Get Out. The Ring really upset me because I was just like, oh no! Like that's the kind of movie where I'm checking behind the shower curtain. <laughs> I'm looking under the bed. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Altieri mentioned Hereditary. Completely agree. Moves us over to Julio from the Contrarians podcast. Um, the first Insidious. I'm not much for horror movies, but I remember thinking it was much better than I expected. And doesn't it sound like a movie Tasteless Pod would praise on her show? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, because I am too scared of it. <laughs> he said, actually, because we mentioned it on our show, Bug, Michael Shannon, best actor. Haven't seen that. That's some high praise there from Julio. Is that a movie where there's like, creepy crawlies and bugs and stuff? No idea. Oh. No, it's a ripoff of that, um, you know, that Vita Beetle that can talk movie? The- Herbie, the love <laughs> Herbie. It's a, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a ripoff of that, where oh. Michael Shannon voices the Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, how you doing, everybody? <laughs> Gruff old man, angry. <laughs> uh, Overs of the Horror Movie Club podcast. I know low-budget synth scores aren't the Oscars jam, but I'd love to live in a world where the score to It Follows could have been nominated. I totally agree with you. Eh. Oh! Oh, score is the best part. <laughs> Damn. Hereditary gets mentioned again from the stories of your and yours. Tony Collette may have given the best performance ever in a horror movie, and there have been a ton of good ones. Totally agree with you there. Tyler Howitt said The Exorcist and The Shining. Ross said The Invitation is criminally underrated, but not sure which category it would have been nominated in. Best original screenplay? I'm with you there, mate. Yeah. No. Really good. I think writing, for sure, it could have so gone. So creepy and haunting. Nick, one of our good friends of the show, Autistic Nick, said the Babadook. That's another great, terrifying movie. And that takes us over to our Facebook community. And Adam Srank, aka Spanky, has been on show a couple of times, mentioned that Psycho, The Birds, any of those early Alfred Hitchcock films should have won an Oscar for something. Well, he should have won a Best Director Oscar. Yes. And the final two that we're going to round off the show with is, first of all, is from our one of our great fans, great listener, just all-around awesome human being. Brad Yelovich, who said Scary Movie 4 should have won the Best Picture Oscar. I'm like, almost Brad. made through it. And then uh, finally, uh, Tara Maholik, who's another awesome, just all-round awesome person, said Finding Nemo. Horror movie. That gift she posted was yeah, scary. Yeah, look, what's more horrifying than having your kid stolen and taken to Australia? What is more terrifying <laughs> than that? <laughs> And what's more terrifying and than, then giant monsters. Yeah, than getting those braces? 
forgetting braces like that on your face. Ooh. Well, there's one more that we're going to lay it down to, which is Gidget Von LaRue, one of the most awesome people out there who has a question in our upcoming 100th episode. I threw it out there to Gidget and said, hey, maybe you should answer this question because I know you're going to have some good answers. And answers, she did. So, <laughs> so here we go. The thing for Best Picture, Sigourney Weaver for Best Actress in Alien, Naomi Watt for yes. Best Actress in the Ring, Rosemary Baby, Best Score, The Descent, Best Editing, An American Werewolf in London, Best Picture, The Orphanage, Best Foreign Film, Edward Woodward, The Wicker Man, Best Actor. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. D- the Descent, 100%. Yes. Sigourney Weaver, 100%. I mean, The Descent is, I can never watch it again. I'm so upset. Yeah, by yeah, it. same. It's so traumatic. The way they create the atmosphere was just so incredible. I don't think we'll ever do it for the show, but if we ever did that, my deep philosophical debate for um, The Descent is like, if you have sex in a plane, that's the Mile High Club, but if you have sex in caves, is that the Mile Low Club? <laughs> Or is it just called spelunking? Oh, no. <laughs> I've been saving that for a future episode. I'm glad to use it here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad the opportunity. I'm sitting around. on it for three fucking years now. <laughs> Finally, someone mentioned the Yes, descent. thank you. Thank you. So what do you guys reckon? Who do you guys reckon answered the listener question the best this week? Oh. I'm going with Gidget by sheer quantity. I mean, Sigourney Weaver and The Descent both really yeah. thrilled me. Like, because I hadn't thought about them. Yes, that's a agree for me, just due to the amount of research and awesome answers. And yeah, alien Sigourney Weaver. Well, there you go, Gidget. Your prize will be in the mail. This week it is five magic beans. If you plant these beans, <laughs> you'll, get a, you'll have a beanstalk to the clouds where a giant will give you a goose that lays a golden egg. <laughs> Please don't hold us to that, Gidget. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anywho, that takes us down to the end, and we've got to do a massive thanks to everyone that has listened, as well as our Patreons, as well as everyone that's answered our listener question. You guys are all amazing. But the biggest thanks of them all goes to this amazing woman that's joined us on this podcast. Thank you, Emily, for joining us. Tell us all about your show. Tell us how amazing you are, all that sort of stuff. Oh, boy. I have a podcast called Tasteless that you can find wherever you get podcasts, where I compare two movies, and I take one that people love that I don't like, and I explain why a different movie is better, like I said why Shallow Hal is better than The Shape of Water. Uh, When it comes to romances, I explained why Country Strong is better than A Star is Born. They're all Gwyneth Paltrow. No, those two are Gwyneth Paltrow. I love Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm actually on a campaign right now to try to get Gwyneth Paltrow to adopt me and help me change my lifestyle. Makes sense. I really feel like she could kick it in a high gear, but I do non-Gwyneth Paltrow episodes. I talk about how much I love Troop Beverly Hills versus The Revenant, etc. I'm at TastelessPod or at MHIG, E-M-H-I-G. And uh, I will talk to you about Troll 2 <laughs> if you want to message me. Yeah, I love your podcast, Emily. I tune in every week. It's one of my insta-listens that I sit there in my car on the way to work, you know, and it's like already bad enough that you're going to work, but then when you sit there and hear someone say, oh, I'm in three is better than Logan, you just really rage. It's awesome, man. You feel very angry. You just get angry and angry. It's like, I'm already pissed off I'm going to work now. I've got to listen to this bullshit. <laughs> Good. You get it over with at the beginning and then you go, maybe you have your lunch break and you start to feel a little better. I mean, I was so excited to be on this episode when I found out I got to do this movie. I was amped and I'm still recovering. (laughs) I've told a few people I was doing it and they're all like, oh, that's so cool. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, thanks cool. for spreading the good word, Em. They better listen after <laughs> after they told me how cool it was. Well, yeah. Upcoming episodes, we are going to be doing an episode on Spider-Man that may have come out before or after this episode, depending on uh, how quickly we can convince one of our friends to go see it. Well, the Notebook is one of our most popular episodes, and we put a poll out there last year to say, okay, if you guys all love us watching The Notebook, what's another movie that me, Kahu, and Machu should watch? And we threw out some options of, like, Clueless, and I uh, can't remember what the other one was, but the clear winner by over 50 of the vote and 400 odd votes was Mean Girls. So me, Kahu and Machu have been delaying it for a long time, but we're finally going to do it. And then we've got episode 99, which we're not too sure about what we're going to do for that. But then it's episode 100 where we answered 10 quickfire questions. Hey, hey Stace. There was about 10 yep. of us. Stacey judged us. It's over 100 shots. <laughs> yep. We answered questions that have been submitted to us by um, people like Emily and Gidget and Countdown Podcast and a whole bunch of other awesome people. And then we, yeah, Stacey judged who gave the worst answer and gave them all shots and it deteriorated quickly. Oh yeah, question two, it was all <laughs> over. Poor Stacey. <laughs> if you guys would like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews in, oh no, which is that Movie Reviews in? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews in. You can find us on Facebook at Movie Reviews in 20Qs, you can find us on email at mritqs at gmail.com, all the links are down below in the show notes. Anyway, fly away little starlings. <laughs>